Welcome back, everybody. It's Encounters Got Time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to jump into the book of Isaiah. This is uh, apparently, you seem excited. Isaiah is like one of the most awesome books in the Bible. This is like, he's, he's called the Gospel Prophet. Wow. And we've got some passages from Isaiah, so I'm super excited. That is incredibly exciting. Yes. Before we get into it, we've got a few different we things did. to cover. We do. Our first one is our next question for the quiz. All right, guys. That's right. Who wrote the book of Genesis? We're talking a lot about origins just just now. So if you know the answer to that one, who wrote the book of Genesis? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you call or text that number with the correct answer, you'll go in the draw to win Snake Bites and Shipwrecks, our incredible board game that we're giving away. It kind of tracks and maps out the missionary journeys of Paul all around the place. If you would like to win this, you have to answer this question, and it is, who wrote the book of Genesis? 0491-064-669. Of course, if you answer correctly, You'll go in the draw, which will be drawn tomorrow. Okay. Let's have a look at what you had to say about the first half of the show. Mm. Back pain. Has this anything to do with hypnosis? That's the question. Yeah, that's a good question because I was really searching it out to find that. I'm like, I don't want to get hypnotized by someone and no. thinking my back is okay when it's actually yes. not. Um, no, this is going down more of a... yeah. Uh, a, a medical route than hypnosis actually engaging your nervous system and helping it overcome the pain. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, it continues on his, I appreciate the power of the mind, but I would have to warn about the dangers of hypnosis. You are also opening your mind to unwanted visitors. 100%. Mm. I.e. demonic visitors. Mm. So, yeah, don't ever go down the path of hypnosis. Uh, you should never allow somebody or something else to control your mind. Yeah, definitely. Your mind is sacred. Is a sacred space between you and God, and uh, when you give somebody else control over that, that's a problem. Yeah, I see particularly like people trying to go down the route of hypnosis for like overcoming addiction and whatnot for like smoking. But isn't it even better if you just don't have to do that? Isn't it even better if you just don't smoke? Yeah, like like, but you overcome smoking, sure. not by hypnosis and letting someone mess with your brain, but by breaking that addiction and making a principled decision and, you know, getting help and support and yep. joining your local church community because they can help you and yes. support you. Like yes. there's, there's yes. so many things you can yes. do rather than like, cause that's what I see as like the primary use of hypnosis in a medical sense today, but just don't. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. The uh, starvation of uh, people in Afghanistan eating grass next, if starvation continues, they will start becoming cannibals, which is part of the plan. Well, that's pretty full on. Anyway, the US allowed its military to pull out, left billions uh, in weaponry. Untold number of Christians have been killed, forced into marriage with Muslim men, or placed into sex slave camps. Destroyed a country that could have been safe for Jesus if the politicians kept out of it because of their greediness and evil plans. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Mm. There's a lot in the second half of that there that I can absolutely uh, and totally agree with. Uh, the whole thing from beginning to end, the U.S. going there in the first place, the U.S. pulling out, mm. uh, and everything in between has just simply been one massive disaster that has brought misery on our planet. Mm. It's as simple as that. And it continues to do so uh, and, and has left the country and the world a worse place. That's right. So scarred. And, you know, you've got now got the war in Ukraine and Putin thinks he's going to make the world a better place. No, I've never seen war that's made the world a better place. Mm. We make the world a better place by trading with each other, not fighting each other. Mm. 
Anyway, that's uh, that's our world. Biggest problem in churches: comfort. What the future holds will quickly remove the comfort from the church and the world. All mm. will be placed in the crucible, God's last attempt to make them ready for the second coming. So don't forget to. So don't get too comfortable and read and believe your Bible. I think that's a really valid uh, message right there. I, I, I absolutely uh, agree with this one, is that one of the reasons why God makes us uncomfortable is so that we can build resilience. Mm. And when we talk about being uncomfortable, our level of being uncomfortable really is first world problems. <laughs> yeah. You know, where we like, yeah, I'm in the crucible. And I'm not downplaying the fact that you're in the crucible right now mm. and that you're going through really hard times and terrible times. But even our worst natural disasters here in Australia pale in comparison to what people in developing mm. countries face on a daily basis. Yeah, and I think often our seeking of comfort doesn't come from a perspective like, oh, you know, I want my family to be okay, da, 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 because often in Australia, because of the nature of the place where we live, being a first world country and all the help and developedness that we live in, um, the, the comfort that we're seeking is ultimately to serve self. Yes. There is nothing wrong with wanting to obtain, for example, like financial comfortability for the purpose of supporting others. That is like, that's a noble endeavor, mm-hmm. 100%. Now, of course, we need to put God first, but God is, God would lead us to want to say support our families. Yes. Like God wants that for us. But then to be so obsessed with the idea of comfort in a, in a context in which we are so readily, comfort is so readily available, like there's comfort all over the place. I can just see it as, yeah, just, it's an appeal to self ultimately. That's right. Mm. Yep. Okay, so dinosaurs, fascinating subject. Love the description of Leviathan in the book of Job. Magnificent animals. Mm. Never knew that they were known as dragons until only 200 years ago. God is great. Yeah, that was so interesting. Like everyone was just like every reptile that was found underground. Oh, it's a dragon. (laughs) That's right. Well, it makes sense. You know, we probably shouldn't have changed their names from dragons to dinosaurs. We probably should have just left it as dragons. You reckon? Yes. I, I like the word dinosaur. I feel like nah. it gives us a more... Because dragon, it, it like has those mythical kind of connotations on it. Now, also, the way that people treat dinosaurs and the ages of dinosaurs is kind of mythical as well. But, yeah, dragon has like a more... Even though I know that, like, well, you know, dr- dragon is a, used in, a word used in the Bible to describe, like, Satan... But I feel like I feel like dinosaurs like correctly correctly puts them in the in the right place in the right frame of my mind anyway. I liked what I liked what uh, Scott had to say about you know some young guy who's maybe eighteen nineteen years old goes out and kills a dinosaur comes back and like yeah that thing was breathing fire. <laughs> now you know you know that a bunch of young guys sitting around a campfire could easily tell that story. Oh, totally. That's me, bro. That's yes. like me and I mean, the me and the boys in any, the ancient any, world. That's right. This is this is this is us in the ancient world. I mean, how many times have we sat around the to- fire and told fishing stories? Just see me nearly flip my car on that trail. Did you see that fish? That I, like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. It was, it was uh, it just when, when he talked about that. I'm like. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> makes that's sense. Why, that's why dragons back in the day. That's why Saint George was uh, killing a fire-breathing dragon because he was 18 years old and he was telling the story around the campfire. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. In the news, global warming. Uh, are they living in another world from the rest of us? Interesting. Interesting subject on this one. Uh, global warming, climate change, 
and uh, the environment in which we live. Mm. And I'm just going to say this. Well, actually, no, I'm not going to say this. You're going to read it. I'm going to read this. Mm. I'm going to read something here um, because it's one of those areas where you have two sides of the debate, which is often divided politically Mm -hmm. in today's world, and we need to be very careful that we don't let our politics blind our eyes to what the Bible says. Mm. And so if we go to, uh, let me just see here, what should our expectation be at the end of time? The Bible says in Revelation chapter 11 and verse 18, uh, the nations were angry, your wrath is come, the time of the dead that they should be judged. So this is the very end of the end of time um, and that you should give reward to your servants, the prophets and the saints and those that fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those which destroy the earth. Mm. Okay, so this should be our expectation at the end of time. Man-made destruction of the earth. Mm. Man-made destruction of our environment. The earth is our environment. Mm -hmm. You can't separate those two. Mm -hmm. So we should. our expectation at the end of time should be, so I'm not a scientist. I don't understand climate change. I don't understand global warming. Um, I do understand what the Bible says. Mm. And so when I see two sides of the debate and one side says there is man-made climate change happening and another side that says there is not man-made climate change happening and my Bible Mm. says that there will be man-made destruction of the environment at the end of time, it's like, okay, end of story. I don't don't, don't need a science degree to understand that. Mm. I know know what the Bible says. Mm. And so, yeah, it's pretty miserable and cold outside right now. There's no question about that. Rainy and gross. Rainy and miserable and gross. But, hey, it's winter and it will pass. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And I should point out that's not the only passage in the Bible that speaks about man-made destruction of Mm. the environment just before the return of Christ. Mm. And what's interesting when you look at the man-made destruction of the environment, the man-made destruction of our environment has only taken place in the last 150 years at the most. Mm. And so what's interesting is that you know all of the signs of the times that are given in the Bible are described as being like birth pains. Mm -hmm. In other words, they will start off mild and then then they will increase. They will J-curve, basically. If you a J-curve on a graph, they will go up and up and up and up and get steeper and steeper and steeper. And so birth pains, labour pains, they start off fairly mild and they get stronger and stronger and stronger. They start off a fair way apart and they get closer and closer and closer together. And so we should we should live with the expectation that man-made destruction of our planet just before the return of Christ will J-curve. Mm. And if it's not, if our natural environment is not being destroyed by human beings right now, Jesus is not coming soon. Mm. End of story. Mm-hmm. Let's, uh, I probably got a whole bunch of people stirred up. Um, our number is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> All right, we're gonna start sending them in. We're gonna do our Bible study. Isaiah, now? let's do Isaiah. Yeah, I'm yes. here, bro. I'm Isaiah, ready. chapter forty-one. Chapter 41 of the book of Isaiah. We're going to be reading in what verse? We're going to read, wait, let's start in verse uh, 13. In verse 13, the Bible says this, For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid, I am here to help you. Okay, 
All right, let's uh, let's think about this for a moment. We are often afraid. We think, you know, we've been talking about the story of Job recently mm. and what Job went through and the challenges that Job went through. Did Job have reason to be afraid? Yeah. Yes, lots of reasons uh-huh. to be afraid. His whole world collapsed around him. Mm. Do we have reasons to be afraid at times? Definitely. And in fact, I, I think that the story that you've you told in the news about people seeking comfort is an ev- evidence of that. Yes. Like putting comfort before God. Why? Because people are naturally afraid and nervous and struggling with the world that they live in. And so, therefore, comfort is the number one thing that they're seeking over and above God. Okay. Very much so. Um, and, and that's what we see, you know, in the, in the research. So when we, when we look at this whole concept right here, have you ever been in a situation where you've been afraid mm-hmm. because it's an unfamiliar environment but you are less afraid because you are in the presence of an expert in that environment. So, for instance, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, my dad and I, we went and did aerobatics one time. Okay. And so we went up in a uh, in an old warbird mm-hmm. and uh, this thing was flying upside down. It was pulling loops. It was pointing straight at the ground. Wow. Uh, we weren't at a lot of altitude, maybe uh, a thousand feet up in the air uh it was like the most fun thing ever but we weren't in the least bit afraid because we were in the presence of an expert yeah totally i actually i never ever ever in my whole life have been afraid on roller coasters in fact like i've been i've been ill on roller coasters yeah. but never afraid i i know people who are terrified of roller coasters those people simultaneously will like do backflips off cliffs but then strapping themselves into roller coasters they're like shaking and i never got it because i'm like this is a machine that's been created by a bunch of experts who have made it so that you won't die like that you you look in a very 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 slim chair like way or a very low chance of you dying on this but for the most part, like this is be- this ride has been running for say ten years and no one's died on it because it's made for you not to die. So therefore, I've got nothing to be afraid of. I'm like, oh, I'm in the hands of the experts who made this. I'll give you another example. Let's think about a couple of other examples here. Have you ever been, been skydiving? I've never been skydiving. I've jumped off a building before, but I've never been skydiving with a bungee cord. Uh, it was like you're attached to this big steel cable. It was okay. Auckland Tower, so it's like 200 meter yeah. tall uh-huh. building, and you jump off. Uh, attached to this big steel cable, and then when you get to the bottom, the, the there's a big drum that the cable's on. It tapers down and slows you down. Okay, so on your fear scale uh-huh. of one to ten, where was it sitting? Probably a two. Okay, I was looking down. I was like, "This is intense. Like I can't even see the bottom." Yes, but I'm like, "I'm gonna make it to the bottom. Like I'm gonna be fine." So, but there was there was a, there was an element. Yeah, of fear there was there. a little bit of a. I'll I give you I'll give you another personal example. This one might be a little bit better for me. I'm, and I'm and you know, as you're listening, think of examples in your life when you were in a situation where you experienced fear, but the fear was less because you're in the presence of an expert. Mm. So uh, I've been sailing all of my life, mm. but coastal sailing, that kind of thing. Uh, my first blue water voyage. We're sailing up the east coast of Tasmania. And it's blowing 65 knots. Wow. That's a decent gale. Yeah. It's, it's significant. Mm. You know, and we've got, we've got uh, it's, a, it's a Sydney Hobart racer. I was back crewing it. 
Um, and uh, we were down to you know a very small pocket handkerchief of a jib, uh, the mm. smallest thing that they had um, on on the on the yacht. We had the boom lashed to the deck, mm. and we were still out of control from time to time. Mm. And so, for me, I've never sailed in those kinds of circumstances before. Mm. However, the skipper had sailed in the, and I forget the date of it, but it was the worst Sydney Hobart ever Mm -hmm. uh, in which there was a whole bunch of boats that were, you know, yachts that were lost. Mm -hmm. He'd experienced that. He said that, you know, know, during that time they were out of control at least 50% of the time, had absolutely no control over the yacht whatsoever at all. Mm. And there was a bunch of people that died in that storm. Wow. Now... I'll be I'll be upfront and honest. I was glad at that particular time that I wasn't the skipper. Yeah. In hindsight, I look back on it and it's like, yeah, I could have sailed through that. I could have I could have figured that out and, yeah. and got there. But I would have been very very apprehensive if I had been in mm. charge mm. and the responsibility had been on me. But we had a skipper there with us. You know, this was a guy who had you know sailed the Sydney Hobart race. I don't know how many times. Mm. This was a guy who had capsized full-size racing yachts, completely masked down, come up the other side, mm. you know, completely bottle the thing uh, on more than one occasion. Yeah. This was a guy who had, you know, been there and done that when it came to sailing and he was calm as a cucumber. He's like, oh, yeah, we'll do this. Ah, oh, we'll do that. Okay, yeah, the mainsail's starting to shred. Oh, the boom vang just broke. Um, and, you know, it was completely unfazed by anything and, you know, configured the yacht, got it comfortable, mm. and we just kept sailing. Wow. And so this is how I see this verse right here where God says, For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. Mm. It's a little bit like that because there are going to be times in this world when things happen that are really scary. Mm. And we can do it by ourselves or we can do it with God. Mm. It's a whole lot less stressful and a whole lot less fearful doing it in the presence of an expert. Mm. You know, that sailing that sailing experience for me, my fear level out of on on a scale of one to ten was probably at about a one point five. Wow. Um Yeah, it was blowing hard, but I was like, just do what the boss says mm. and we'll be fine. Mm. And it's a little bit like that with God. We get in these circumstances where we are definitely def, deathly afraid and it's like, just do what the boss says. Mm. We have it written down right here. We've got a manual. We know what to do. It's called the Bible, mm. and we will get through this. And the Bible says that God will hold our hand. He will guide us through it. Mm. That's a whole lot less stressful than trying to go through something like this, you know, just blind. Mm. I mean, you look at the COVID. You look at the stress that COVID caused people. And honestly, it really, on a, on, on a level of stress, it caused me stress. Of My stress level went up to, you know, from normal to by, by about maybe two points. Mm. But I've got friends whose stress level went up by six or yeah. eight mm. because they didn't know what was happening. They didn't know whether they would die. They didn't, you know, there was just so many unknowns. And I'm like, this is in God's hands. We're, mm. we're, we're good. We're fine. Mm-hmm. We just keep going forward and. Trust in the Lord. We've we know how the book ends. Yeah, we've read the last chapter. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's that's really right. really good ending. Uh huh. Um, so we don't need to stress over it. 
This is the promise that I see coming through here in this particular passage. We need to uh, back up and we're going to come back and we're going to read uh, verses 8 to 14. But what I want you to do is to think about a time when you were afraid, but you were less afraid because you were in the presence of an expert. Mm. And shoot us through on a text message or give us a call. Our number is 0491-064-669. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. You love that song right there. It goes perfectly with what we were just talking about, particularly sailing stories. All right, we're about to get into our quiz question. Lawson's going to bring us the next question for our quiz. Uh, of course, we have the most amazing prize this week that everybody wants to win, so make sure you're texting or calling through with your answers to get your name in the drawer. We'll be just fascinated to see who wins this one. Correct. Our next and final question for the quiz is, according to Galatians, if someone is caught in sin, how should a spiritual person treat them in their efforts to restore them? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do know the answer, you will go into the draw to win snake bites and shipwrecks out. As Lyle was saying, awesome, amazing, very incredibly popular prize. People want this board game to be able to play with each other and map out Paul's missionary journeys. But again, that question was, according to Galatians, if someone is caught in sin, how should a spiritual person treat them in their efforts to restore them? 0491-064-669. So some of you might need to open your Bibles, do a bit of research on this one, but I particularly want our Outback listeners to... uh, uh, to call through or to text through with some answers here on this one. Get your name in the drawer because I want to see Lawson go to the middle of nowhere to uh, play, to play this, this board game because he, he said he said he said he will come. He will come and play a game, back I, board I game with say you. Say that. All right, so a couple of text messages coming through here. Bruce had some good thoughts on how sin destroys itself by trying to save itself. Mm. Take Caiaphas saying, "Better for one man to die than for the whole nation." Of course, in that story. Uh, Jesus did die and, and, and sin um, was trying to save itself but destroyed itself. Nowadays, he says, with climate change, thinking they can save the world but they but may just be making it worse instead of preparing for the second coming of Jesus. This is an interesting thought. You know, we exchange coal for lithium. Mm. Is lithium that much better than coal? And we it, basically what we're doing is we are exchanging one non-renewable resource for another non-renewable resource. That's right. Uh, one is destroying the air that we breathe. The other is destroying the ground that we get our sustenance from. Mm-hmm. It's it's a, it's that's the problem of our world right now. We are in need of a saviour. We are in need of a saviour. We are in need of the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, so should we be just putting all of this aside and saying, no, I don't care about the planet. I'm just going to throw my plastic bottles out the window because Jesus is coming back soon. No, we don't no. do that. Of course not, because we are managers of our planet and God will call us into account as to how we managed our planet. And I believe it's a bad witness as well. Yeah, of course it is. Because this is God's world, not our own. So to other people, if we just treat it like a tip, then, yeah, they won't be impressed. They won't be led closer to God. Are the text messages there? Yes. <laughs> this is, this this is, is okay, so I'm a, classic this, Lyle. He's anyway. looking for the, you know, how do I work these things? You can actually touch okay, the so screen. I'm just going to read this one right here. It says, good morning, guys, tuning in from Wollongong, New South Wales. While I have some breakfast, I ha- have a blessed day. Question. 
What is this song that is playing? Uh, hopefully we answered that one. Uh, that was Lower Lights with Jesus, Saviour, Pilot, Me. Mm. What a great song. Amazing. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay. All right. That was your text messages. Now let's go. To, okay. So we've got a few other ones here. Oh, oh we've got a long one. Let's read this one. <laughs> Uh, this is a treasure trove. Okay, so this scripture reminds me of Jacob with a dislocated hip wrestling with Jesus. Mm. Hebrews 12, 12 to 13. Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. We are in the crucible with Jesus. We're sorry, we are in the crucible with Jesus. Jesus has already paid for our sins in full on Calvary, on the cross at Calvary. It's better to be with Jesus now in the crucible covered in his robe of righteousness rather than without him at the time of judgment. Listen and obey the words of God. There will be hard times ahead for us all. Hang on tight to Jesus like Jacob. Don't let go. Jesus will give you a new heart and change your heart also. Trust in the Lord. Surrender Mm. yourself. Repent. May the Holy Spirit be with us all. That one's from Wayne. Wow. Yeah. Has anyone sent in about their like trials? about particular things that they've been through. You know, we did ask them to, to text in. Did we get some texts about that? No. We didn't. I don't have any. I think we did. Producer Shell is, is nodding. She's saying, she's saying, yes, yes, we absolutely did get stuff through. Maybe maybe it didn't come through. That's unfortunate. But, hey, Producer Shell is walking into our studio right now with a phone to be able to, to read some of these text messages. All right, let's see here. What have we got here? <laughs> ah, yes, from Christopher. Mm-hmm. Good morning, Breakfast Show team. It says, well, you know my story, Christopher. And the reason we know Christopher's story is because we did interview him mm. some months ago and he went skydiving and uh, his parachute didn't open and uh, he was dual skydiving and his instructor actually sacrificed his own life to save his life. Wow. And he's been in rehabilitation ever since and being make, making great progress. Um, he's outdoing his... He's diving and he's walking around, you know, the whole thing again, which is absolutely amazing mm. to see um, him recovering. Okay, so let's go to Isaiah chapter 41. And we're going to start this time. We're actually going to read this uh, passage through. We looked at the one verse, but let's read the passage this time from verse 8 to 14. The Bible says, But as for you, Israel my servant, Jacob my chosen one, descendant from Abraham my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, You are my servant, for I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. See, all your angry enemies lie there, confused and humiliated. Anyone who opposes you will die and come to nothing. You will look in vain. For those who have tried to conquer you, those who attack you will come to nothing. For I hold you up by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, and I say, don't be afraid, for I am here to help you. You read verse 14 as well? Oh, in verse 14. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob. So you missed out the best part. Though you are a lowly worm, O Jacob, don't be afraid, people of Israel, for I will help you. I am the Lord, your Redeemer. I am the Holy One of Israel. Okay, so if you look at this passage in context, basically what Isaiah is talking about is that you're going to go into captivity, but... Yep. Uh, and you're going to get super discouraged because you're going to mm-hmm. think this is the end of our nation. We're never going to exist again. We're going to be dissolved as a people because mm. that's what happened when people went into captivity like that, when they were exiled. Uh, and so they're like, yeah, that's over for us. But God's saying, no, it's not. Mm. I'll be there to hold your hand. I will be there to 
take you through this experience. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And so we've got to stop and ask ourselves the question, okay, how is this relevant for us today? I mean, mm. this was a, a prophecy that was made specifically for Judah at this particular time. You're going to go into Babylonian captivity. Don't freak out. I will hold your hand through the experience. I will bring you back. Mm. So what do we learn from that? I mean, that happened 2,500 years ago. Yeah, well... It did happen two and a half thousand years ago. Uh, but ultimately, like, they did come back. They like, did. They, they were restored. To the promised land. And as a result, like, Jesus came. To the land of Canaan. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as a result, like, the Savior was born. Yes. They fulfilled their purpose as a people. And I think for us today, like, <laughs> there are many of us who uh, either have or are going to be excommunicated from our homeland. Um, or persecuted for our, as a result of our belief in Christ. Like, God right here is speaking to his people, and this is an experience that his people are going to have all throughout time. And now we look forward to, you know, the second coming rapidly approaching, and it's like we, we read the Bible, we see the mark of the beast, we see what's going to go down, and it's it's scary. But ultimately, God will be holding our hand right throughout it. He will bring us through, and we will go to our true home. Yes, The heavenly Canaan. Mm. And so he's saying, don't freak out. Bad things are going to happen. I will be there. I will hold your hand. And I'm coming back. I will save you. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. About to have question of the day. It's going to be a good one. It's all about the gift of tongues this morning. Before we do, we've got answers for our quiz. Answers for the quiz. Firstly, Luke 12 and verse 1, Jesus described 11 of the Pharisees as hypocrisy. Uh, The silver chest and arms in Daniel chapter 2 represent the kingdoms of Medo-Persia. Who is Isaac's older half-brother? That is Ishmael. Who wrote the book of Genesis? That is Moses. And finally, in Galatians, if someone is caught in sin, a spiritual person should deal with them gently to restore them. But right now, it is time for... Question of the Day. All right, our question of the day today is this. This is one I wanted to ask you yesterday, but we had something else in mind. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 2 says, Speaking in tongues is not for man, but for God, and no man can understand him. He is speaking a mystery language. Doesn't this disprove your teaching on tongues being native languages of foreign people? Yeah, it's a really interesting question right here. First of all, it's got nothing to do with my teaching, your teaching, or anybody else's teaching. We go with what the Bible teaches on this particular subject. And the Bible very, very clearly uh, teaches that that the gift of tongues was known languages. In fact, when the gift of tongues is first given in Acts chapter 2, it lists 14 different languages that the disciples spoke on that particular day to witness for Jesus Christ. And so if you're going to come up with the theory, with the idea that this is an unknown language, there is actually no Bible verse for that. There's no Bible verse anywhere that says that this is an unknown language. You have to make that up out of thin air. And so, no, this is not my teaching on this. This is what the Bible teaches on this. Okay, so what about this particular passage that we have right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 2? Let's go there and let's read what it has to say. It says, For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not to not to men, but to God, for no man understands him. Howbeit, in the spirit he speaks mysteries. Okay, let's just take out the word tongue here, for instance, and put in the word language, because the word that is translated tongue in the King James Version, and this is the reason why it's called the gift of tongues today. 
The reason it's called the gift of tongues today is because the Pentecostal movement was founded on the King James Version, which uses this particular word. And so they still use it today, which makes it sound like something other than languages. But when the King James was translated in 1611, uh, this was the word that used for languages. It comes from the Greek word glossa, which means a language, specific, specifically one naturally acquired the other alternative that you have used in the New Testament is heteroglossus, which is other-tongued. In other words, a foreigner speaks a different language or other-languaged, a foreigner. And, of course, within 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul quotes from the Old Testament where the word used is lashon, which means language or speech. And so the word here is never anything other than a known language. So what does this particular passage mean here that we are reading in verse 2? For he that speaks in an unknown language speaks not unto men, but to God, because no one understands him. Well, if you read on down a little bit further, Paul says, if you do speak in an unknown language, then you need to have somebody interpret. So in other mm. words, uh, so it's, he's, he's not saying here that this is an, not an understandable language. It's like, no, this is a language that some people can understand. But let's let's take, for example, uh, my little church at Raymond Terrace. We have one person there that I know of that speaks Polish. Maybe there's more, but I know that one that speaks Polish. And let's say that uh, she gets up the front and she presents a Bible study or she prays in Polish. Then God is going to understand. She's definitely speaking to God, but she's not speaking to us because no one else understands it, unless there's somebody there to interpret it. And so there is nothing in 1 Corinthians anywhere to indicate that this is anything other than a language that is known by other people that are not uh, present here at this particular church at this particular time. Of course, uh, the city of Corinth was one of the most uh, racially uh, and language-diverse cities in the world at this particular time. So you can imagine the church would be full of people who spoke other languages. And Paul's like, look, let's keep it to Greek because everybody speaks Greek. It's a little bit like you know, Raymond Terrace. Was, I think there was four different languages I counted there that were spoken. I used to pastor a church that had uh, 25 different languages that were spoken. In it, and it's like, we all agreed, let's keep this in English. That way everybody can understand what's going mm. on. Uh, and if you're going to speak in a different language, have an interpreter. That's what Paul says. All right, we want to remind everybody to spend some time with Jesus today, not just listening to Faith FM. Listening to Faith FM, of course, is one of the best ways that you can do that, but you need to spend some time individually with Jesus Christ. Another great way to do that is to do a Bible study course, and we mention this pretty regularly. Uh, they are available. We, you can do them through the Discovery Center. There are so many different subjects that you can choose from. You can get a certificate at the end of it, and you can learn more about the Bible. You can have an instructor who will... Basically hold your hand all the way through the course. Make sure that you graduate from it. Uh, they're simple and easy to do. So give us a call. 0491-064-669. Don't forget to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again. God be with you till we meet again. By His counsel's guide of Sheep securely fold you. God be with you till we meet again. Until we meet again at Jesus' feet. We meet again. 
Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.